Yeah, I was in Boston several weeks ago, temperature 12 below zero. I prefer uh, Tallahassee, hallelujah, um, and to be with uh, the team. Uh, we're no longer uh, on the board, but our hearts are still here, and so we count it a privilege uh, to minister to you tonight. You know, I love jokes, and I've got to tell one. I, I raised nine children. They're all still living. That's how come I know there's a God. Uh, <laughs> so I learned to laugh. I was a juvenile probation officer, so I had to laugh my way through a lot of things. But uh, I love this joke. There was a pastor who decided to plant a tree in his front yard. He bought a scrawny tree. His wife looked at it and said, that's the ugliest tree I've ever seen in my life. The trunk is so skinny, but it goes way up in the air. He smiled and said, prayer and water and feeding it will make it grow. It will be beautiful. Whatever, she said. He planted the tree, looked back with great joy at his achievement. He went in the house to clean up and decided after he cleaned up to walk back again and look at this marvelous thing he had done. When he walked outside, a cat was at the top of the tree, and it was holding on with his claws, and it was scared out of its wits. The pastor looked at him and said, here, kitty, kitty. The cat wouldn't budge. Here, kitty, kitty. The cat wouldn't move. He went inside and warmed some milk and put it at the trunk of the tree. He said, here, kitty, kitty. The cat wouldn't move. The pastor said, what am I going to do? He's scared to death. Suddenly, he came up with a genius idea. I will tie a rope around the trunk of the tree. Then I will tie the other end of the rope to the bumper of my car. I will put my car in reverse. The narrow trunk will bow down, and the cat will jump off and be saved. He was so proud of his idea. He did it and tied it to the trunk and then tied it to the bumper of his car. He put it in reverse. It was working. The tree was bowing down. Suddenly, as it was almost ready to touch the bottom of the ground, the rope broke, and the tree sprung up, and the cat went flying in the air. The pastor was horrified. He ran in the backyard. Here, kitty, kitty. He could not find it. He said, God, please forgive me. I've killed this cat. Several days later, he was in Walmart, and he ran into one of his parishioners, Mrs. Green. Everyone knew Mrs. Green hated cats. He looked over in her basket. He was quite puzzled. There was kitty litter and cat food. He said, how are you doing, Miss Green? She said, fine, pastor. Uh, I'm a little puzzled, Miss Green. You have kitty litter and cat food in your basket. Yeah, Pastor, I do. You know Melinda. She's always prayed for a cat, and I wouldn't give it to her. Finally, I got tired of her. I said, you go out in the backyard. You get down on your knees and pray. If God drops one from heaven, it is yours. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> That's how it would have to come to me. <laughs> our, our scripture is fullness of joy. And fullness of joy comes from people who are not just saved and born again, but they have covenant with this incredible God in reality and in relationship. And it is the indwelling of his presence. In chapter 16 of Psalms, it is very interesting Psalms because it is one that has been scribed by David. It is called a divinic psalm. It talks about confidence in the Lord. 
And it talks about people who not only would be confident in the Lord, but they will depend on God. The only refuge that they have is recorded in Psalm 16, where it says, My goodness is nothing apart from you, O God. So this is a person who is focusing in, realizing that everything they have need of comes from God. In chapter uh, in chapter 16 and verse 4, there's a contrast between true worshipers and people who worship another God. And God begins to bring this and he says, those that worship another God that's contrary to me, they will find that it will bring them great sorrow. And in verse 5 and 6, he said, you hold my future as an inheritance. This is a person who literally understands that not only is God good, but everything that is going to happen in his life comes from God holding his future and his destiny in his hand. He begins to say in verse 7, I will praise the Lord. I love that word will because sometimes it is in a position where we don't feel like praising God, but we choose to praise God because of the position he has taken in our life. And because of you, the Psalms of David says, I have found you to be faithful and you have guided me and you have counseled me. And even at the night times when I didn't feel you or I didn't know where you were, you were there with your counseling and your guidance. In verse 8, it says, keep the Lord before me. I won't be shaken. I'm safe and secure in who you are. My heart is glad and it rejoices in you and you will keep me from corruption and deliver me from the grave. David goes on to record that God will show him the path of life. And in verse 11, he says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And then he begins to go on and say that it is an inheritance that he has promised the fullness and the pleasures and the fullness of that joy. Not here right on the uh, place where heaven is, but even upon the earth because you have ascended and you sit at the right hand of Almighty God. Now I have said all of that because I believe that God wants to minister to us the importance of knowing the fullness of God's joy. And in the fullness of God's joy, it encounters God having his presence very real. Can you hear that bumping? I'm going to pull it out and see if that works. Is that working better? Uh, I love heaven. I can't wait to get there. There is no tape ministry, glory to God. And um, we can be heard from one end of heaven to the other. But until then, we will endure to the end. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 16 is an incredible recording of the Holy Scriptures. And by the power of Jesus, he begins to minister to his disciples. And the important thing is he understands they must know who he is. I want to challenge us tonight that you cannot have the fullness of God's joy without knowing the God of that joy. And Jesus began to press into his disciples Now, tonight, I I want to talk to several of us in a different way. Because I love it. There are believers present here. And believers know how to receive from God. But disciples are taught by God. So we can come to a conference and we can receive the joy of the Lord. And we can receive his benefits and his blessings. And God looks down and says, I'm glad that you're a believer that you can receive. 
But I'm looking to reach out to bring you past a believer and mature you so that you can be a disciple who is taught of God. Now, I'm going to press in tonight because I believe fullness of joy is very important to us prophetically in the hours ahead because our nation is fixing to be judged by a holy God. Can I talk to you? And we are on the way to the court. Now, I, I want to talk to you. It is better to settle out of court than to go to court. Can, can I talk to you? And in the midst of it, God is trying to get the attention of his church that he can settle some things out of court. If you go to court, you're going to pay the whole thing. Come on. But as, if you settle out of court, you can negotiate. Come on, just turn around to someone and say, I know your life. You better want to negotiate. Come on. So God wants us to negotiate because he's this incredible God that wants us to be filled with his presence of joy. So in the midst of it, when nations shake and all these things begin to happen prophetically in the earth, God wants a church that knows how to be full of his joy and it is void being filled with substance of the world. Come on. That the substance of God is so real in our life. Now, God wants us to understand discipleship because disciples are those who will receive his call, be taught of God, and be also disciplined by God, but they fulfill the will of God. So I, I believe that there is a cry in every one of our heart not to just receive from God, but to do the Father's will. I, I, don't, don't you just feel that, that you want to do the Father's will so he can look down and say, wow. That's my kid. Come on. That there's something that just builds up in him with joy. That they're just not self-centered to just want to receive, give me, give me, give me. Come on. But they're matured and they're taught of God and they know how to receive from God. Don't you love to get from God? Come on. See, I, I love to feel God. How many of you know you don't want to serve something you can't feel? I'm a widow. I've been a widow for uh, a little over 17 years. And I want you to know every once in a while my husband would walk in the kitchen and he would pat me on the tush and he, he would tell me, I love you, baby. And I, it would irritate me. You, you know what I mean? He'd just pat me there and I'd be cooking supper or doing something. And I'd say, oh, please leave me alone. But every once in a while, that little touch connected with something. Come on. And there was something inside of me that said, let's have show and tell. Come on. So every once in a while, <laughs> you, you got you to gotta love with a passion where you say, I don't want to touch. I want show and tell. And, and that's the goodness of God that he sheds on your heart and my heart and your life and my life because God is good. And in the midst of it, though, he is looking for people who will want to do more than just proclaim God is good. And there's nothing wrong with saying God is good and God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But God wants us to declare something about who he is to the nations and who he is to the church and who he is to the heathen and who he is to the disciples and believers that follow him. Disciples follow him and they do his will. And in the midst of it, in Matthew 16, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can read along with me in verse 13. 
Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said that some say you're John the Baptist, another Elijah, and still others say you're Jeremiah, or at least one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You're Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, you shall bind in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, you shall loosen the heavens. And then he warned his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. And from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, but he would be raised up on the third day. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind on God's interest. You're not setting your mind on God's interest. You're not setting your mind on God's interest. You're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. I ask the Lord to come and bless his word in our presence tonight. When I think of fullness of joy, I have to talk to myself for a moment that it is not a feeling. I have to talk to myself for a moment and realize that it is not always an emotion that comes out of me, but it is an indwelling presence of God that brings joy because joy is the strength of the Lord. And in the midst of it, now God is going to call his disciples together. And he asked this incredible question, who am I? Now, what alarms me as a believer and as a disciple of the Lord is Jesus is almost at the end of his ministry. He is about to step into his destiny. He knows what the Father has sent him to do. Everything that has manifested through his life is that the will of the Father be seen in the earth's atmosphere. And so for three and a half years, he has walked with his disciples trying to convince them and trying to plead with them as he walks with them for this three and a half years that I want you to know how to treat people, but more than that, I want you to know how to get in agreement with my Father. Can, can I just talk to you tonight? Because, see, we know the Holy Spirit and we know Jesus, but this is an hour when we've got to have the revelation of the Father. And in the midst of it, Jesus is trying to convince them that this is how you treat people because this is how my Father would treat people. 
This, this is what you do when you're moved by compassion because this is what my father would do. This, this, this is how you respond to people that don't know the Lord because this is what my father would do. This, this is what you do when you sit down at the table with, with sinners that they know the joy of the Lord that's in you because you can identify with their needs because this is what my father would do. So he's looking at the disciples and he asks them this incredible question. And it is a question that every believer and every disciple has to answer. It is most important for the local church to know the answer to it. Who am I? This was what he asked them. But it was interesting, the first question is, who do men say that I am? Because we have a lot of opinion, but opinion can never equal revelation. Come on. And so in the midst of it, he looks at him and he said, who do men say that I am? And they turn around and, and they're standing there in the midst of Jesus because this is an incredible question that they are not expecting him to ask. Jesus has withdrawn to be uh, in the midst of his disciples. He only has the 12 in front of him when this scene at Caesarea Philippi comes. Caesarea Philippi is that place where there were many demonic spirits and strongholds. And there were all kinds of gods that were erected in Caesarea Philippi. In fact, if you go to Israel and stand on the rock of Caesarea Philippi where Jesus proclaims, upon this rock I will build my church. And he's standing on this rock. Underneath that rock is carved into the rock at Caesarea Philippi. Every known God to Caesarea Philippi. And the king of glory puts his foot down upon the head of all those demons and all those gods that are carved into that rock and he said upon this rock I will build my church he's declaring there is a rock that has showed up that is bigger than this rock or even the gods of the world that hold this rock together so in the midst of it you and I have to answer this incredible question if we're going to have fullness of joy so he is looking at them and he has pulled them aside to teach them and to declare to them, who do men say that I am? And in the midst of it, it is the most important demanding question that every Christian needs to have a moment with God where we answer it. Because right now, our society is doing everything, listen to me church, to remove history from our nation. Come on, and when history is removed from our nation, there is no point where you can say an actual event really happened. So now we have prayer taken out of school. So now we're going to raise up an education system and your children and your children's children will never know God was involved in education. We now have them wanting to remove the nativity scene off of the White House because now your children and your grandchildren and your children's children will never know that God actually was involved in government in America. History is very important. 
Now they're trying to change the Constitution of the United States of America so that it will say what the heathen wants it to say, what the agnostic wants it to say, what the humanistic wants it to say, what the philosopher wants to say. And they're trying to remove and annihilate God totally out of our nation so that we'll raise up a generation that we can never point and say, God was in the education system. God was in the government. God was in the home. God was in marriages. Marriages were between a man and a woman. God was honored. So it's important for you and I tonight, if we're going to have fullness of joy, to know who is he. Who is he? It is amazing to me, I was at the White House not too many months back, and it's amazing to me we cannot pray in the name of Jesus, but Muslims can put their hand on their, on their Koran and be sworn into office. Excuse me. I have found out that if you don't really believe in something, you will compromise and give in to the pressure. Come on, you have to know who he is. And when you know who he is, there's fullness of joy. When you know who he is, when you're on the mountaintop and he's blessing you and prospering you, you have joy unspeakable. And when you go through the valley and everything's falling apart, he doesn't change. He's the same one that was on the mountaintop. Circumstances may have changed, but you're not ruled by circumstances. You're ruled by this incredible God that promised you an inheritance. Who is he? Who is this God? So, if it was important to Jesus, it's important to me. See, I happen to believe the Bible talks. <laughs> Come on, I, I believe the Word is alive. I believe the Holy Ghost is still breathing on the Word. Maybe Holy Spirit to you, but it's Holy Ghost to me. Come on, is Holy Spirit, you can stay sophisticated. When the Holy Ghost comes to town, you lose it all. <laughs> Who is he? It demands an answer. Because it deals with the fullness of joy that we read about in, in Psalm 16. But it demands an answer because it determines a person's destiny. And it determines where you're going. And it determines what you'll be able to do when you get there. So I want to know who he is. I don't want to say I'm going to marry someone and in the sweet by and by the trump's going to sound and I'm going to either be ruptured or raptured and I'm going up to meet the Lord and I'm going to be a bride. How many of you would marry somebody you had never laid eyes on? Come on, I want to check the merchandise out. Come on, I want to take a good look. I want to have a vision what he's going to look like when he loses his hair. Can I still love him? Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. When he loses his teeth, can I still say, baby, you rock my boat? (laughs) 
I want to know that he can look at me and say, you're the best and most beautiful and gorgeous thing I ever caressed in my arms. And when I have an increase of the land and everything is sagging and bagging, come on, and it's wrinkled and worn down, he still says, you rock me. I want to know who I'm going to say I do too. It will determine your destiny. It will determine where you are going. It will determine what you will be able to do when you get there. It determines where you will be with God or apart from God. Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi and he confesses and and he looks and he asks for a confession in that demonic hour where there are all kinds of gods pulling at the hearts of the affections of people. And he asks them, uh, who am I? And the most incredible thing is you cannot have revelation unless the Father gives it to you. In the midst of it, he confesses the foundation of the church in this scripture. It is when you know the foundation of the New Testament church, you can stand upon the rock with great fullness of joy where things and circumstances may frustrate you. They may even stress you for a moment, but you fall upon the rock. And as you fall upon the rock, you say, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am because you became a refuge and a fortress and a strong tower. In my day of need, I cried to you and you answered me. It will determine the foundation of the church And we've got to understand it to a degree So we can share with others There is a place you can stand in God And hell can't get you Oh come on I don't know about you I'm tired of hell getting Christians Come on, I'm tired of hearing leaders falling. I'm tired of hearing snare traps of immorality. And there wasn't something of joy inside them by the presence of God that said he can deliver me out of the snare trap of the enemy. I'm tired of having to restore broken pieces. I believe that God is a God that can deliver us and keep us from evil. I believe that. I believe that fullness of joy can come to your heart and mind tonight with confidence that the gates of hell will not prevail against the revelation of who Christ is. Can I just tell you this? I'm going to anyway. And (laughs) if you disagree, it's okay. You've been wrong before. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hell is not afraid of us. Hell don't care if we stand there and go shakabaka, handala, rubah. Hell is not afraid of anything but the one who conquered him. And when we carry that presence, we are a threat to hell because hell sees, I'm not coming by myself this time. I'm coming with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God wants us to have that. In our life, fullness of joy, fullness of joy, fullness of joy. Not a drop, not a church service, not a feeling, fullness of joy. 
Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? Don't you just love it? When people ask us questions and God stands back and said, let him look like an idiot. <laughs> Come on, how many, how many of you know you wished you hadn't opened your mouth when you opened your mouth sometime? And somebody asks you about something, you go, well, and then when you get through, they're looking like, they don't understand one thing you said because you didn't understand what you said either. But he said, who do men say that I am? Because men always have an opinion when Jesus shows up on the scene. Brownsville Revival was down here in Florida, and millions of people came. I, I really believe thousands and hundreds and millions of people came. Some people got crosswise. Other people got cross-eyed. And other people said, He's in the house. Because it's amazing when he shows up a lot of times. He don't show up according to our bulletin. Come on. Because we have our preconceived ideas just like these men had their preconceived ideas. When Jesus shows up, I want to tell you why. It's going to be decent and dignified. And then Sister Luke gets the Holy Ghost, jumps over three pews. Come on. Sour puss every Sunday morning. To God be the glory. And all of a sudden she's laughing and jumping around and we go, well, that ain't God. <laughs> Who do you say he is for the fullness of joy? What men say of him to a large degree, listen to me, church, will determine the morals and the justice of our society. If he is not who he said he would, we'll begin to see, come on, and when the church quits proclaiming that, we will begin to see a decline in our morals. We will begin to see a decline in the justice of how people are treated. Come on, our society no longer will be justified in treating people equally because we do not know who he is. So it is important if I'm going to have fullness of joy and know who this Jesus is that I come to the place where I know that it's going to affect the moral issues of my life, that sin is still sin. Can I talk to you? And that our society needs to be ruled by justice. When our nation doesn't declare it, there will be a great decline. We are seeing a decline. And even church folk are losing the fullness of joy. 
Life is treating them unjust and, and, and moral issues are happening in their family and in their marriages and with their children and they can't find justice and they're losing their joy. And listen, the enemy knows how to steal joy because the joy of the Lord is your strength. If he can get your joy of realizing he still dwells inside of me, he can knock you down and make you weak, come on, and defeat you like never before. Who is he for fullness of joy? Now, the first answer, (laughs) I love it. The first answer says some of them think you're John the Baptist. Now, there was a great spirit of righteousness in John the Baptist. And because John the Baptist had a spirit of righteousness, they looked over at Jesus and said, you have the spirit of righteousness, so you're just like John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a martyr. And, 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 and John the Baptist is the one that, uh, remember Herod, after hearing about Jesus' miraculous uh, works, thought John the Baptist had been revived uh, uh, in, in the spirit and that John the Baptist was like Jesus. But listen to me, church. You cannot have fullness of joy when your revelation of Jesus is compared to a man. But he's greater than John the Baptist. There may be similarities. Come on, because John the Baptist was prophetic and did the will of God. But he is more than a mere man. So some people just look and say, well, you you have characteristics like John the Baptist. And and John was a holy man. And people came out to hear his message. And and people came out to to hear him prophesy. And people came out to hear him. Uh, Can I just talk to you? We're in danger right now because we so fear people's disapproval that we're losing God's approval. Come on, I want to talk to you. See, John the Baptist, Herod cut his head off. Yeah. Come on, how many of you know that the religious system is still trying to silence the voice of the prophetic heartbeat of God right now? The most important issue, if you want fullness of joy, is you've got to know who he is. Not what he does, who he is. I'm going to close somewhere. I forgot to look at the clock. Am I fine? Give me a high sign. (laughs) Common people saw the similarity in Jesus. And they saw the similarity when they looked at John and they said, You know what? These guys, both of them work for God. But... They're both work for God. They both speak for God. They're both gifted of God. They both proclaim the kingdom of God. They both talk about repentance. They both, both talk about uh, a voice that comes forth. They're, they're both similar. So he must be like John the Baptist. But listen, he is not just a voice. He is God. 
See, I'm afraid right now for my own life when I talk about fullness of joy. Will I really have fullness of joy when the pressure comes and I realize I'm not in this thing for popularity. I'm not in this thing to get a next booking. I'm not in this thing to write a new book. I'm not in this thing for TBN or to get a, a, a TD Jakes or whatever may ring your bell. We're not in this thing for it. We've got to see that it's more than just the voice it is the one behind the voice. He's God. But he's God Almighty. Who is he? Well, some thought he was Elijah. You got to understand Elijah was the greatest teacher and prophet of all times in the history of Israel. They thought, well, you know, he's like Elijah. Even today, the Orthodox Jews believe that Elijah will return before the Messiah. At Passover, when they have Shabbat, they put a chair there and they put it there hoping that when they have Shabbat and they break the bread and they drink the cup, Elijah will show up because they understood Elijah's a forerunner before the Messiah. So they're looking and some of them say, well, this really isn't what we're looking for. He's just a forerunner. He's, he's just like Elijah. He just comes in and he's a great teacher. He's the greatest teacher we've ever seen. He's a prophet. He can prophesy and, he's, and, and, and he does miracles. But he's just a forerunner. Can I break that down to charismatic, full gospel, assembly of God, Baptist, Pentecostal, whatever we are. Just turn around to someone and say, I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> I happen to be assembly of God because that's where all good tongue-talking Baptists end up. <laughs> Because nobody else will take us. Hallelujah. <laughs> but some of us have a Pentecostal mentality that Jesus just runs in and he's a great teacher. We sit and listen to him teach. He's a great one that can prophesy to us. He does miracles in our midst, but he really isn't what we're looking for. Who is he? Because church, the most important thing, listen to me. I love prophecy. I love teaching. I love miracles. I love to be touched by God. But that is not going to make me stand in this hour. It's his presence. I've had seven surgeries in 15 months. I just had one two weeks ago. I'm sick of being sick. And I know God can heal me. But God's made me go through it. Because he understands, I want faith that can get out of everything. I ain't into this going through stuff. But listen... When God t 
takes you out and he touches your body if it's sick or delivers you or prospers you or whatever goodness he shows to you, your faith grows and you say, look what the Lord has done. But listen, when you go through something, he develops your character and you declare, look who he was in the midst of it. Now, I won't tell you, I just about lost my house. See, you got to understand, I never confessed to God, I longed to be a bag lady living on the street. <laughs> that, just, that just didn't in my heart. Lord, please make me a bag lady. I want to be a bag lady. <laughs> but I just about lost my house. Bills mounted up. In intensive care, hell came to me and told me, you're going to die. I came in agreement with it. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Because, see, listen, when your sugar count is over 600, your lung has collapsed. Come on. And your intestine has torn, and you are bleeding blood that they could not find, and now it is absorbed into your abdomen, and you have beginning stages of gangrene. That spells D-E-A-T-H. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. And when hell came into the room, I just looked and I said, they said, you're going to die. You ain't getting out of here. You're going to die. I went, oh, God, I'm going to die. Because <laughs> listen to me. Facts are very real. Come on. Faith does not ignore facts. Faith refuses to be Ruled by the fact. Come on, facts are very real. So I'm at Wednesday night prayer meeting. I go down to pray. We call it intercession. It really isn't. It's whining. I'm down there at my little church, at my little pe- Oh, God. I'm about to lose my house. All the bills are pounding up. I hadn't had any income in six months. Oh, God. I don't know what I'm going to do. And all of a sudden, I've got a little grandson. He's 11, and he's uh, mentally challenged, and he's about like a three-year-old, and he thinks he's speaking in tongues. He comes down and pats me on the shoulder, and this is how he speaks in tongues. La, 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 la. And when we're in warfare, he goes, la, 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 la. (laughs) Oh, some of you ought to try it. It really works. But he's patting me on the shoulder, and he's going, la, 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 la. And I'm thinking, nobody understands by my grandson. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Finally, he is sick of it. I mean, he is tired of it. Now, he's mentally impaired, but he knows who Jesus is. Amen. And all of a sudden, he comes down, and he just gets a hold of my face, and he yanks it around, and he puts it up, and he says, listen, Nana, get a grip. Jesus is still Lord. <laughs> And I looked at him and went, la, 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 la. Now, 
you got to have fullness of joy by revelation to overcome situations. And some of them thought he was Elijah. You remember Elijah. He fed the widow and he raised her son. Jesus fed the 5,000. He rose Lazarus from the dead. Why wouldn't they think he was like Elijah? There were similarities. But Elijah was a mere man. Elijah was just a voice. Some of them thought he was Jeremiah. Nobody would want to book Jeremiah. (laughs) Dear God. 26 years, he tells Israel, we're headed to court. We're headed to court. God's mad at us. We better settle it outside court. This thing's serious. The church wouldn't listen to him. And they went to court and listened. God gave them the full blow of the sentence. They spent 70 years in Babylon. Elijah was one that came in and said, God bless you. And you went, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then he started tearing down everything, uprooting everything. Come on, making a mess of the church. It took us years to get all this dead stuff in its place. Y'all ain't hearing me. We worked hard at this. I went to seminary and got a doctor degree to be an idiot. <laughs> now you're going to tear it all down. And they thought he was kind of like Jeremiah because, uh, you know, Jeremiah was the one that was going to, to be there in, a, in an incredible way. In fact, in the, Macca, uh, in the Maccabees, in chapter 2 of the Maccabees, it said that Jeremiah will come to Mount Nebo before, uh, before uh, Jesus comes. And so they said, well, maybe he's like Jeremiah. Maybe he's the one that's going to stand on Mount Nebo before the real Messiah makes his interest. And so in the midst of it, they all had confessions, but all of them were false confessions. And yet there was a truth mingled in there that they saw similarities, but similarities are not revelations. Fullness of joy. Joy unspeakable. Pressed down. Running over. Confidence. Some of them thought he was John the Baptist. He was a prophet that taught. He was a place in history. He had power. They had different opinions. But listen to me, church. You know what scares me about our church world today? Everybody has an opinion. And we're not to have an opinion. We're to have truth. Truth. You shall know the, come on, truth. And what? And the Truth shall set you free. Whom the Son, come on, sets free is free indeed. What is it saying? When I get a revelation of Him, something going to start dancing inside of me, whether they voted on it or not. Truth that gives us fullness of joy. He is who he is, the son of God. P. 
people were hung up in a maze of opinions. And most of the world sees, sees Jesus as a good man. Most of the world sees Jesus as a good teacher, a good prophet. One that went around and was accurate in what he said and created miracles. But they don't see him as the son of God. got to see him as the son of God if you're going to have fullness of joy. Second question was more serious than the first. Because the first was, who do men say I am? But the second one was, but who do you say? Let me quote it in the Greek. But who do you say that I am to you? That's the most important question. Who do you say that I am to you? Because that's where my fullness of joy comes. That's where my strength comes. That's what makes me say I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. That's what makes me say to the devil, I bind you in Jesus' name. Because I know behind that name there's a presence and a revelation of the Son of the living God. And hell, there is nothing you will throw at me that is bigger than who he is. Come on, who do you say that I am to you? Now, let me close. That question is critical because it demands an answer. But you know what? It will determine how we're going to stand in this last hour. Now, I'm not pessimistic. I want you to hear my heart. I'm not a martyr. I don't like ingrown toenails. I don't want I'm I'm not into this thing. Let's all suffer for Jesus. Come on. I call suffering for Jesus living on the waterfront. Amen. Driving a nice car that I have to keep more than three years. Okay. Come on. I'm not into this, but listen. We have got to wake up, church, that America is not. A Christian nation. It's not. You cannot endorse homosexuality. You cannot endorse same-sex marriages. You cannot endorse adultery and wink at it. You cannot even... When you get a society that won't even blush or get upset that a president had oral sex in the Oval Office, there is something drastically wrong with us. And let me just push it one more time. It didn't pull the church down to the altar to pray. Because we don't have the revelation of the presence of God. That our nation and the leader of our nation just offended God. Now you don't think it's important. Listen to me. I'm not going to get on any political kit. I'm not afraid to because you shouldn't be Republican and you shouldn't be Democrat. And you shouldn't be uh, whatever party runs. You ought to be a Christian when you go to the polls. Come on. That's how you ought to vote. He turned around and said, that is the craziest woman I've ever met in my life. (laughs) But just stay with me a minute. 
Mr. Clinton stands in the office and said, I didn't have, or- I, I, I didn't have intercourse. I just had oral sex. Statistics just came out across my desk because I used to be a juvenile probation officer and statistics just came out that we are in major problems right now in junior high, high school, college, seminaries, and universities. They are having dogging parties, D-O-G-G-I-N-G. They all get together and have anal sex and oral sex because they believe they can keep their virginity. And it is a growing thing in our nation. Wake up. Whatever you speak into the atmosphere, either God rides on it or hell. Come on, we got to wake up. Who is this Christ to us? Where is the fullness of joy that brings his presence that can tear down strongholds and literally declare thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth just identically to how it is in heaven. See, here's Peter. I love Peter. I feel like Peter Ed. <laughs> I do. When Jesus was present, you, ought, you, you could count on it. Peter would put his foot right in his mouth. He would have something to say. I'm, I'm telling you, I feel just like Peter. And Jesus said, who am I to you? And Peter said, <clears throat> And don't you know the 11 went, oh, here we go again. Here's Peter mouth. This ought to be good. And Peter gets anointed. Come on. Doesn't it just freak you out when you're so fleshy and then suddenly in a meeting God comes down and you go, wow. He said, thou art the Christ, the Christo, the living God, the eternal life, the son of a God that's alive. That's who you are. You aren't anything else than the son of a God that lives, that has an anointed life, that wants to impute it and impart to us so that joy can be there in the presence of God. Thou art Christ, Christo, that's who you are. Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, flesh and blood didn't let you know that. My Father, which is in heaven, revealed that to you. Listen, knowing who he is assures me not only of heaven, but it assures me of being able to stand in the gap and refuse to compromise. Come on, that fullness of joy. Where I just stand in the gap, I'm not going to compromise. He still is holy. He is not a nice God. Can I talk to you? Ain't nothing nice about God. Come on, we try to we try to foo-foo him and poo-poo him and and, and put you know Santa Claus hat. You know, we, we have our he is not a nice God. He is a good God, but he's not a nice God. If you acting up, ain't nothing nice when he comes to whoop you. <laughs> ain't nothing nice about that. 
But I, my dad never whooped me, and I said, this is the nicest thing that I ever endured in my life. I yelled, it's killing me. My dad said, good, it's working. You are holy. And you require holiness in my life. You require me to separate from some things so that your fullness of joy can be in me. You come after things that rob me of your presence and of your joy. You make me cut off relationships that are, are not godly relationships. You come after attitudes. You come after motives. You come after things that are hidden. Things that I don't even want to deal with because you want holiness in me. So you can make me whole body, soul, and spirit. So that your fullness of joy can be in me. And it's joy unspeakable and your presence is there. And having done all, I can stand. You're holy. That's who you are. Let me close with this. Peter probably didn't understand what he was saying. When he said, thou art the son of the living God, he probably didn't understand it. But he confessed it from his heart by the revelation of the Father who told the Holy Spirit, just breathe on. See, tonight we have come with fullness of joy. God is here to meet with us and make us understand. It is not in you to have the revelation of who I am, but it is my great joy unspeakable to give it to you. And if you will just position your heart in the presence of my son, I can re release the Holy Spirit to breathe on you and give you the revelation from the very heart of the Father. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Even when he made the choice, he declared, this is who he is. By no other way can you be saved. By no other way can you have joy. By no other way can you conquer sin. By no other way can you have peace of mind. By no other way. It's like the Ten Commandments when they were written. God said, because I dwell with you, you shall not lie. Because I dwell with you, you shall not commit adultery. Because I dwell with you, you shall not covet. Because I dwell with you, without the dwelling of God, all those things happen. But when he dwells, you won't do it. Because I dwell. Because this is who I am. Peter probably didn't understand, but his heart confessed it. And Peter believed and said, I believe this is who you are. You're the Messiah, not a man. You're the Son of God, sent by a living God. You're all that they prophesied about. 
You're all the fulfillment of the Old Testament. There is none other that can fulfill it and bring fullness of joy into my life. This is who you want to be to me. This is who you want to be to my family. This is who you want to be to my children. This is who you want to be in my singleness, in my widowhood. This is who you want to be. This is who you want to be in the marketplace. This is who you want to be in outreach. This is who you want to be in my neighborhood. This is who you want to be. Questions personal. Every man has to answer. Every woman. Every boy. Every girl. Who do you say I am to you? His confession was brief. But it certainly proclaimed one thing. This Jesus is not human. He's deity. Peter confessed, and Jesus turned and said in Matthew 16, My fathers revealed it to you. Man can't be confident in natural wisdom anymore. Ministries will fail you. People will let you down. You will even let yourself down at times. But there is one who absolutely can keep the fullness of joy in your life. And that's Jesus Christ, the Son of a God that lives. In the midst of it, man can't quicken the revelation to you to bring fullness of joy. Man can't regenerate himself. Man can't transform himself. Man can't redeem himself. Man can't change himself. Man cannot do what we cry out from our heart to do. Only God can infuse us. And then when he changes us and transforms us, we have fullness of joy. See, I'm not afraid of demons tonight. You shouldn't be afraid of demons. He gives you authority over principalities, powers, and rulers. But what I do fear is God, don't let me be self-deceived. And you leave me to myself. Who is this son of God? John 1.13. And this is my final closing. John 1.13 says this. Which was born not of the blood. But what is born of the flesh is flesh. And what is born of the spirit is spirit. Remember, man has, we've been led away from his presence. I'm not trying to bring a heaviness on us tonight because God wants to impute fullness of joy that is genuine and real. That even when hell comes against us, it cannot be shaken from us. Because our confidence is rooted in that thing and anchored in that thing. But let me just stir our hearts tonight that we've been led away from the revelation of who this Christ really is. False teachers have come in our midst and false prophets and false apostles and false pastors. And they have given us a gospel that will tickle our ear 
and please our flesh. They have made us believe that God is committed to us, but no commitment is asking return. They have made us believe that God wants to touch us rather than God wants to transform us. We need an encounter with a holy God that will bring fullness of joy. That we can impute it and impart it to our children and our children's children. That they will know who this Christ is, the son of a God that is still alive. We have been moved away by our pride. We have been moved away by power, by fame, by wealth, by our own self-glory-seeking spirits, by prejudice attitudes, by education, by philosophy, by humanistic spirits, by scientific spirits, by mythology, by materialism, by disbelief, by lack of courage. We are afraid to buck the crowd and we are afraid to surrender all because we love our flesh more than we love God now I'm an old lady and I don't believe in tickling people's ears listen church we're on a mandate we are fighting for the existence of this God and the revelation of this God and that people can have fullness of joy in their life and that God can restore our nation. And my cry tonight is that we lift up holy hands because we can ask God to cleanse our hands if we've touched anything that we were not supposed to touch. Pride, greed, self-exaltation, whatever. We can ask God to cleanse that and we lift up holy hands to a holy God to ask the Father to give us revelation of this incredible Son that He sent that guaranteed a promise, fullness of joy. That guaranteed a promise, you can have life and have it more abundantly. That gave a promise. You are the head and not the tail. That gave a promise that said, <laughs> having done all to stand, you can stand. That gives a promise to you and I that we can prosper. That when we're sick, he's still the healer. When we are weary and tired, he's still the one who can set us free. I've got to have fullness of joy. The presence of an almighty God by the revelation that he is the son of a living God. If you can just minister to us, brother, wherever you are. Across my desk came this piece of paper. When I read it, Pastor, I began to cry and weep, and I couldn't even leave my desk. I couldn't even move. <clears throat> it probably was one of the most sobering things I've ever read in my entire life. <clears throat>
And church, we need the fullness of joy because his presence is what drives out his enemies. Let God arise and destroy his enemies. Thank you. You may not know who I am, and it's really not important. But to those of you who care, my name is Judge Roy Moore from Alabama. I was sued by the ACLU for displaying the Ten Commandments in my courtroom foyer. I have been stripped of my judgeship, and they're now trying to strip me of the right to practice law in the state of Alabama. I was awakened during the night and went into my living room to pray and quietly picked up a pen and began to write the following. America the beautiful or so you used to be. Land of the pilgrim's pride. I'm glad they'll never see. Babies piled in dumpsters and abortion on demand. Oh, sweet land of liberty, your house is on the sand. Our children wander aimlessly, poisoned by cocaine, and they're choosing to indulge in their lust when God has said, Substain. From sea to shining sea, our nation turns away from the teaching of God's love and a need to always pray. We've kept God in our temples, but how callous we have grown when earth is but his footstool and heaven is his throne. We voted in government that's rotten to the core, appointing godless judges who throw reason out the door. Too soft to place a killer in a well-deserved tomb, but brave enough to kill a baby before it even leaves its mother's womb. You think that God's not angry, that our land's not a moral slum? How much longer will he wait before his judgment comes? How are we to face our God from whom we cannot hide? When, when, what is there left for us to do but pray and turn this evil tide? If we who are his children will humble ourselves and turn and pray and seek his holy face and mend our evil ways, then God will hear from heaven and forgive us of our sin. He'll heal our sickly land and those who live within. But America the beautiful, if you don't, then you will see a sad but holy God withdraw his hand from thee. Who is this Christ to the church so that we can affect the nation? So to the one who does not know him and is ready to abort a baby, we can give a lifeline of hope and tell them, despite what you're going through, if you get him in this situation, there still is fullness of joy. Who will we be to the drug addict and those who are tossed to and fro rather than giving them a program that sooner or later will fail 
we give them the revelation. He is Christ. Christo. The anointed one that can break yokes. And he's in touch with a living God. And the death sentence off of you can be broken. And you can live again with fullness of joy. That's my cry. I believe that's your cry. God, thank you for Psalm 16 that declared we've got an inheritance. And we can turn our faith to have confidence in you again. And we can see fullness of joy enter the hearts of your people. And we can minister it to a nation that desperately needs to know thou art Christ. Christo. That's who you are. You are the son of a God that lives. And you've come to live in me and bring fullness of joy. Father, if that's our cry tonight, we lift holy hands before you. And we lift them not in vain, not in doubting. But God, with the confidence that you have called us to Tallahassee, Florida. That you have summons from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. That men are here and women are here that have been drawn by your spirit. And that you want to breathe on us fresh and anew again. That you are the son of a living God. And that we have confidence that you can give us joy unspeakable fullness which means there's no measure to it God the bounty of it is so full with your presence that we couldn't even measure it out God there is no measuring rod that we can measure it because you don't give it stingy you don't give it uh, with conditions you just give it to those who will lift their hands up and say God give us that fullness of joy Father, we want that fullness of joy in our church. We want that fullness of joy over our church leaders. We want that fullness of joy over our husbands and over our children. We want that fullness of joy over us if we're single. We want that fullness of joy in the marketplace, God. We want that fullness of joy that the church will rise up again and raise a standard and that our government will see the standard and our education system will see the standard and our economics will see the standard, oh God, because you are holy and you are good and you are righteous, God. You want to bless America, God. You want America to repent, God, and to return to God. And Lord, let it begin in the house of the Lord. Father, we lift our hands before you, God, and we say in the house of the Lord, here I am, God. Begin with me with your fullness of joy that will drive out every enemy. And that will declare holy, 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 Lord God Almighty.